In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the IndieCast. Uh, Chad Allen, Zach Romero, both here with you. Uh, and, uh, well, Zach, you haven't, you haven't been on in a couple weeks. Say hi to everybody. Yeah, well, hello. Hello, dozens and dozens. <laughs> I've finally crawled out of the abyss, and uh, I'm back here. And just in the perfect timing, as always, for me, as I always like to say, uh, I'm making my grand return, and we have a uh, one hell of a guest that Chad has lined up here for the show. Uh, yeah, and a guest that has been all over the place. You have seen him on uh, AEW, on uh, the New Japan, Primetime Live, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, we have uh, d- direct from the bodega, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, the one and only Danny Limelight is on the show with us. Danny, welcome to the IndieCast. Me gente on the IndieCast, Chad, Zach, everybody listening. It's your boy, Danny Lama at the Puerto Rican Poppy Show and Stocky hit like Rocky. And I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. It is definitely our pleasure. Well, Danny, we uh, we start every episode the uh, the same way with everybody. We like to do what we call the lightning round, where we get rid of some of those typical podcast questions out of the way. And usually by question two or three, we have completely gone off the rails. Uh, so you have that to expect. So. Uh, question one for you, sir. Uh, what is your first wrestling memory? My first wrestling memory would have to be 1997 Bad Blood. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell. Kane, you, you know, ruined the match for Taker. I got so mad in the middle of it that I turned the TV off. My dad popped me in the back of the head, and he was like, go to your room. And that's the first match that I remember that got me so invested into wrestling. Nice. Excellent. Excellent choice. Uh, question number two, uh, what is the first concert you ever saw? So I'm definitely not really a concert person. I want to do more. I've only been to two concerts my whole life. The first one was Little Wayne's The Carter Three in 2009. It was an awesome concert to go to right before I left the boot camp. And my most recent concert was in 2017. It was Jay-Z's 444 Tour. Wow. So to say, you, you may not be going there for uh, quantity, but quality-wise, yeah. you are uh, the best for the fences here. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got two on my list. I need to go to a Drake concert, and I want to go to Ariana Grande concert. Okay, absolutely okay. good. Uh, I got to see Jay-Z once at, uh, at a big festival uh, right around the time that 99 Problems came out, and God, he was good. I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, question number three. Uh, who makes the better snack cakes, Hostess or Little Debbie? Hostess. Okay. And which, one's, say, which one's your favorite? Um, I like the Twinkies. Twinkies, good call. I'll say the confidence, the confidence of this man and his snack cakes. Very good. Yes, sir. Uh, if, if you have not seen this man in the ring, if there's one thing he does not lack, it is confidence. There is nothing wrong with that. So, <laughs> uh, uh, And the final question, the one we always like to end with here before we get into the, our regular questions from here, Marvel or DC and why? Come on, man. <laughs> I was just going to say, if, if anyone's seen his uh, recent promo photos from AEW and the I am Groot tattoo, I figured that oh, might be a slight giveaway yeah, here. Sure. Look, man, Spider-Man, it's Marvel all day, all day. Good, excellent. 
Like I said, he's even if you check out his Instagram, he's even got pictures, I believe, of him dressed up as Spider-Man yeah, on there. For those that don't know, I dress up as Spider-Man for children's hospitals. Haven't been able to do it now because of quarantine and not really letting most people in because COVID. But I go visit kids at hospitals in my spider suits. I go visit schools and do like book readings and, you know, the special schools for the kids that, you know, have their learning disabilities just going out there and brightening their day. And I also used to do birthday parties, too, and videos for, for friends and families and people that their kids love Spider-Man. I put the suits on. I have five different suits that are all studio made, so not the Party City kind. I got like studio made suits, you know what I'm saying? And... and that's yeah. That's that's why you see those pictures of Spider Man on my page. So, cool. speaking to someone who has literally been Spider Man on several occasions, I have to ask. There's been so many classic like internet memes of birthday party Spider Man going for the fancy backflip and completely that, eating that. shit. Uh, does that like does that voice in the back of your head does that play while you're dressed as Spider Man for kids? Is it like do the flip and you're like no no I can't. Risk I it. always do the flip because check this no out. No way. I have, I have a background in parkour. I have a background in stunts. Um, I, you see the shit that I do in the ring. I do a lot more of that stuff. You know, running through the streets and running through buildings and you know these cool like uh, parkour gyms and stuff like that. So I always told myself I was gonna put a Spider Man suit on and show up to a party. You always got that one little cocky little teenage kid. It's like, well, do a flip then, you know? And then when I do the flip, they're like, well, shoot a web then. So then, you know, it's like, I always wanted to make sure that I was able to do the flips and things like that. Very nice. A well, very now you mentioned a very prepared uh, spider swinger. Very good. Very good. And actually, you mentioned being a stuntman. I did have that on my list here to ask, which hurts more, being a stuntman or being a wrestler? Wrestler. Wrestler. Okay. Yeah, I, I um. I've done a few stunt projects, and fortunately, you know, we're allowed to wear protection for that. You know what I'm saying? So True. Um, I, I haven't done anything. I mean, I fell down a flight of stairs. That was brutal. Um, there were steel stairs, so oh. and there was like 17 of them, so that shit sucked. Um, I did that in John Morrison's movie, his new movie, Speed of Time. I fell down the stairs in, in that film. Um, and I've done, I've done, you know, getting hit with glass bottles. I've been hit through, you know, slammed through tables by the Black Ranger, um, I worked with some cool people, did some cool stunts, but definitely wrestling hurts more. <laughs> I feel like it should be on the resume when you, you know, when you're going for a gig, like, and also by the way, survive wrestling as well. <laughs> so I actually am curious, I want to hear about the origin story of you getting into stunt work. So obviously you're a man of many hats, uh, and, yeah. not, and, and a man of many spider costumes. Uh, you've been a Marine, you're a stunt man, you're an actor, you're a wrestler. So I want to know a little bit about the origin story of you getting into acting and, and stunt work, because that's not something we run into terribly often in the world right. of professional wrestling. Well, you see, um, I'm very blessed and fortunate that, you know, the, the my first audition was with Marvel. It was for the Marvel stunt show, the live stunt show um, for the role of Spider-Man. Um, and I was contacted by them. I came out, I showed up, um, didn't know what I was doing. I never had like a, I never had like a, um, a audition before or anything like that. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know, you know, what to expect. Um, fortunately, you know, at, at this audition, I met my ex, um, who ended up becoming my fiance. Um, there, she was a stunt girl. We hit it off. We became fight partners. You know, I ended up whooping her ass in the audition. We went, we got food. Um, we hooked up. And, you know, it, the rest is history. She introduced me to the world of stunts. It was kind of an easy transition. I had got... Um, contacted because they had seen my wrestling stuff um, yeah. at the time I was doing the year of the spider where I was running around and all my gear was uh, 
different spider suits in the comic books. You know, I had the red and blue. I had the Future Foundation. I had the Iron Spider, both the MCU version and the comic version. I had the Symbiote Spider. So I was getting a lot of traction with the spider stuff. Um, I had did a Comic-Con show and I had came out um, in, you know, my red and blue with the spider mask. And then I had did like a Comic-Con appearance and Fox 5 News recorded me doing some flips and stuff like that. And so they contacted me after seeing all of that stuff. Um, I didn't get the role, but I got the girl. And, uh, you know, that that, that kind of got me into the world of stunts. It was an easy transition because of wrestling. And then stunts bled into acting because they were looking for action actors, people that can also do their own stunts and read a line. And I was very confident in my promo abilities and being on front of a camera and talking with a microphone. And so I thought it would be an easy way to blend over from the wrestling world into the stunts and acting. I became an action actor. Then I started writing and producing, you know, and directing and starring and stunting in my own films. I started auditioning. I got an agent. My daughter got an agent. My daughter started booking commercials. My daughter started booking short films. I started booking commercials and short films. And, and that's pretty much how the acting and the stunt stuff happened for me. So clearly, in, in, in summation, you're a man who absolutely despises having free time. That's what I'm hearing here. <laughs> I am a man that is so good at time management is what I like. Okay, that's yeah, okay. Girl. I like that. So my, my other question, my other question about, you know, you're contacted by this, you know, Marvel stunt show and, and they want you to audition. Um, was there, were you tense at all going in that it was going to be like, oh, hey, oh my God, I just got contacted by the Marvel stunts. That's amazing. And yeah. you go and they're like, so we're going to need you to change your gear or we're taking you to court. Like, was there a concern <laughs> that at all? It was nothing like that. They didn't really mention, they just liked that I was, you know that I, I had the wrestling background. They seen all my stuff that I was doing, so they knew that I can move like Spider-Man. Um, I didn't get the part, like I said, but, you know, it was after that whole thing happened. It was towards the end of the year of the Spider, um, and, and I was, like, getting ready to kind of transition back to my, my roots, um, back to the Puerto Rican, New York way, um, and, and it was time for a change, I think. I think the Spider-Man stuff, I don't say it was getting old, but uh, I wanted to be more me and not the whole, you know, trademark and stuff like that. And so that was when about right on the time I did it for a couple more months. And then I switched back over into the black and blue, but with the Puerto Rican stuff. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Very nice. Well, then let me ask you this um, for a lot of people that don't know what this is. And, I, and I'd be very interested to get your explanation for it. I know what this is. I don't know if Zach does, um, but you're in part of a tag team called the Bodega. Tell yeah. everybody kind of what what is a bodega? <laughs> a bodega is a corner store or a store in New York City, more specifically in Brooklyn, but they have them everywhere, where you can get anything you need, including a beatdown. Okay. You know, they got bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. They got the sandwiches, the ham and cheese. They got the cats on the bread. You know, you can get you can get dice there. You can get you know what I'm saying. You can get cigarettes there. You can get you can get Lucy's there. You get chips, drinks, everything you want. You got the old man in the back playing dominoes. You got the other old man on the side drinking their beers. You know, in, in the front, you got the dope boys selling drugs and then the other kids shooting dice. The bodega has everything. You know what I'm saying? And so what the bodega is, is a tag team between me and the king fat boy, Papo Esco. He's another Puerto Rock, big dude, big bodega bully. And, and we basically are running through the tag team division because, like I said, the bodega, you can get anything you need, including the beatdown, and we just running through them all. Mm. Now, what other other than the beatdown? What is the best thing you can you can get at a bodega, and why is it a two dollar holla breakfast plate? So, 
I've See, never heard anybody say I that. That's to say, this this man knows. It's not just research. He knows. You know, it was it was like uh, for me. Um, I used to go to school with two dollars and fifty cents. I would get like a ham and cheese, mayonnaise, hero sandwich mm -hmm. with a fifty cents coffee. You know what I'm saying? And and I would walk to school with that. Um, but there are some bodegas that have like cuchi fritos where like the old ladies be cooking like Puerto Rican food or Dominican food mm -hmm. or Italian food in the bodega, and you know you could just buy a plate for like five fifty. And it's like an aluminum foil plate, and you can put like the potatoes, the beans, the, the meat, whatever, you know. And that was like what I grew up with, you know. Every morning I had a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich with salt, pepper, and all that. And then um, the afternoons after schools, you know, if I didn't have a sandwich, I would have a, you know, a little hot plate. Well, then here, and I'm, and I'm going to follow up on that one then because you are Puerto Rican. What's yeah. your best Puerto Rican food, and why is it a pincho? To me, it's not a pincho. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. No, that's okay. I had a, and I'll tell you why I know this. I'll know this in a little bit too, but I want to hear your answer first. So. To me, I like, you know, my grandma used to cook a lot growing up. She taught me how to mm -hmm. cook. So I love to cook. Um, but I prefer, you know, chuletas with arroz con habichuelas, tostones, but I also like beni. And that's usually what we cook like around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, a big pork shoulder. I know how to cook one of those two. Um, and for like a Puerto Rican snack, I like empanadas. There you go. Excellent. Oh, pasteles. Those are good, too. Yeah, my uh, my dad was Navy, and we got stationed in Saba for three and a half years. So uh, I got to get very immersed into, into Puerto Rican culture. And that's why, like, they, they had a guy that was outside of one of the main stores who always used to do, just had just cooking pinchos all the time. And we used to get <laughs> them constantly. So I used to, every time we used to go my into the harbor. My grandma makes a bomb of fungo, too. Oh, so good. So, so good. So. Excellent. Excellent. So, so now I have got a question and, and, uh, and then you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, you've been given a ton of accolades and a ton of, uh, positive, uh, comments about your ability to cut promos that you, the, the bodega in general, just when it comes to being on the mic, you guys are absolutely, you know, kind of a class above. And so Chad and I, we run in a lot of circles with a lot of younger wrestling talent and I know that so many young wrestlers struggle with that, struggle right. with promos, struggle with talking. And so I want to dive a little bit into that. Now, obviously, you're a man, I think, was just blessed with the gift of gab. But do you have any kind of advice or guidance or anything deeper to help some of these younger wrestlers who struggle to find their voice? Well, for me, you know what I'm saying? My pops always had the gift of gab. I always see my pops smooth talking people you know, uh, uh, cutting deals with people based off how he talked, you know. Um, for me, I learned how to talk because of my family. I just growing up in New York City and stuff like that. Um, but when I used to watch wrestling, you know, The Rock was my guy. And mm -hmm. he he can fucking sell salt to a slug, you know, with his mouth. <laughs> and so I, I was always, you know, I loved wrestling, yes. But what made me invest into wrestling was the way the guys talk. The guy mm -hmm. that actually make me care about a match. And so when I started wrestling – one thing I told myself was I don't want to be the guy that can't talk. You know, I don't want to be the guy that needs a manager. Nothing, nothing against that. I don't want to be the guy that, you know, they just, oh, just stand there and look like this. You know, like I've always mm -hmm. wanted to be the guy that, you know, that can talk and talk to people to want to see a match. And um, so for those people that are watching that are struggling with promos, here's my advice. If you don't practice it, you're not going to get good at it. If you don't use it, you lose it. You know what I'm saying? Those are like the two easiest things to know. 
if you're driving, you have a long, a lot of the, you know, the shows that we make, we drive. We have more than 30 minute, 40 minute drives to get to a venue or something like that. We have long plane rides uh, on the planes. If I'm not sleeping, you know, I'm watching promos. I'm watching The Rock. I'm watching Ric Flair. I'm watching Eddie Guerrero. You know, I'm watching those guys that, that really used to talk me into a building. You know what I'm saying? Um, and when I'm taking those long drives, I'm practicing promos. Sometimes, I, you know, I'm sitting there and, you know, and I'm not even going to cap. Like, I'll be listening to, like, rap. And I'll be listening to Jay-Z. I'll be listening to Biggie. I'll be listening to, to Drake. And I hear how they're talking, the things they say, and the, the metaphors they use, the analogies they use. And then, like, I try to spin that and, like, how can I say this, you know, to, to, and refer it to wrestling? You know what I'm saying? Mm. How can I put, put this into wrestling? Um, and so, so I, I'll be practicing promos on the drive. And I think about, okay, let's say I'm wrestling this person, this place, yada, 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 X, Y, Z. And then I'll cut a quick promo. And then sometimes, you know, I'm driving. I was like, you know what? How long can I talk right now that would still be entertaining to somebody listening? Like, is my cap at 15 seconds? I can only do a 15-second entertaining promo? Or can I talk for at least a minute or more and mm. keep it interesting without cursing, without dropping any F-bombs or B-bombs? Because if you look at my promos, I don't really curse. Right. You know, I, I, and that's something that, like, I, I pride myself in because a lot of guys that need to drop the bitch or the whoop their ass or the, all that stuff. And me, there's nothing wrong with that. But I prefer to try to talk to somebody without having to drop the curse, without having to drop an F-bomb. And just being able to, you know, make someone feel small. And I try to do it so good that that person is intimidated to make a response because they know that's not going to be better than me. Well, and, and I think specifically trying to steer a promo in the direction, like you just said, like trying to... St- to keep the language as clean as you can, I feel like benefits you on two fronts. Because number one, there's a lot of wrestlers who I feel kind of fall back on that. Yeah. When like they're trying to cut a promo and they're like, I don't sound tough. I don't sound intimidating. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say fuck this guy. That'll be my line there. And it's like, okay, well, great. Whoop de doo. But then also from a promoter standpoint, it's like if I have a promo that's entertaining, that's and that's engaging and is gonna get people in the building and there's not like crazy language, then there's no barrier for me to post it everywhere. Yep. Whereas in some cases, well, do I have to censor it? Is it going to be weird if it's censored? Do I have to bleep it out? Is that going to look cheesy? You know, there's only benefits. Not to say that there isn't a time and a place, but absolutely agree on on that. And I wonder, and again, I don't want to make this like the three, you know, full-grown men talking podcast, but I wonder if because, like, if you think of wrestlers who are growing up now or just getting into the business now, when they were... 13, 14 years old, who were the wrestlers that were big at that time? Um, you know, and you think like John Cena's and Randy Orton's guys who were just a name, they weren't like the rock or the undertaker or mankind. Yeah. They were just, I'm a guy and I'm going to say, Hey, next Sunday we're fighting. So I'm wondering if maybe that's it too, since you said you weren't drawn I, I think, by the rock. I think John Cena's good on the sticks, you know, that's true. Um, I think, I think they had the CM Punk that he was good on the stick. True. Very you true. Know? I think I think Randy Orton, when he's heel, Randy has the ability to to really you know make me invest in what he's doing. Um, for me, growing up, my, my you know ninety seven, I was just about to be seven years old, and you know I'm not trying to show my age, but I was just about to be seven, and you know The Rock was cutting promos, DX mm-hmm. was cutting promos, you know Triple H, Stone Cold, you know, all these guys. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, and I started understanding more. You know, and then I was fortunate enough to have, you know, the Eddie Guerrero, the JBL, you know, the, the, uh, these guys that, you know, the Chris Jericho, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it wasn't, you know, 
when when I stopped watching and then I came back into wrestling. When I came back and got into the wrestling was when I started wrestling myself. And that was right when Seth Rollins turned on the shield. So I love listening to Seth Rollins, heel Seth mm-hmm. Rollins. You know, he was the guy that I listened to a lot. I watched a lot of his matches and things like that. Um, you had, you had, who else was there at the time? Um, John Cena was still wrestling. Uh, Randy Orton was still wrestling. Um, he still is, but I'm trying to think of the top guys at the time that were cutting promo. You know, Chris Jericho had just came back. Um, Kevin Owens, you know, things like that. So there were some, some guys that were still good with the microphone when I first started wrestling that I was able to look at. And then I would just go back and watch the old stuff, you know, mm-hmm. watch the players, watch the Rocks promos. Um, and even watch some Shawn Michaels stuff. So I think the people that are that struggling with the promos, you just got to, you got to watch it. It's like wrestling. You watch the wrestling to learn better moves and psychology and to, you know, to be innovative or whatever have you, but you got to watch the promos. You got to be able to talk. You got to be able to sell people. Cause why else is somebody going to care to see you if they don't even know who you are? Oh, you're a guy that can do flips. Cool. So can this guy, you're a guy that can wrestle technically. So can this guy, you know, or you're a guy that could get hit with a light bulb. So can that guy, but what else can you do? Can you make me care about you? It's very important. Mm-hmm. I know it's very important for TV. You know, that's why a lot of people say, oh, how come this guy was never a world champion? Probably because he couldn't take a microphone and talk for three minutes. Mm. Now, so, A, just so everyone listening at home, I tried to give you an excuse by saying you were too young to see The Rock, and Danny just completely took that away. There was definitely greater options, uh, even in later wrestling. But also, I have a question for you. You became a drill sergeant at one point in the Marines. Yeah. Do you think that that plays an element of, at all in terms of your ability to be intimidating on the mic or intimidate with your words? Do you feel like that played a part? Yes. Um, I was a drill – excuse me. I, I, I don't want to be a dick. I was a drill instructor. Apologies. Um, yeah, drill sergeant is the Army. Drill sergeant is the Marine Corps. Apologies. Um, I do feel like – no, you're good, bro. I, I do feel like that that billet that I held, it instilled a different level of confidence. Um Everything that comes out of my mouth, I believe it. You know, intimidation factor, the way I broke recruits down, I, the physical stuff, yeah, but there were some physical studs that would come into recruit training, you know. It was all mental, um, psychological, breaking them down mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and then building them back up with the physical part as just the foundation of everything else. And so I was also talking at 1,000 miles an hour as a drone instructor because I had to get everything through 90 recruits at a time. You know, True. And I was screaming and blasting it. I'm like, look at me, you do this, and I'm like counting them down and moving them, stuff like that. So that helped me with that as well. Um, but but also I think because people look at me like they know where I'm from, they know how I was raised. I'm very authentic, I'm genuine, I'm true to who I am. So it's not like I'm saying something that I don't believe. I think what makes it hard for certain people is when they have these outlandish characters or they're trying to be somebody that they're not and they try to cut a promo but they're not that person. That's not who they are. And it just come, mm. it doesn't come off authentic. You know what I'm saying? Me, I'm a street rat kid from Brooklyn, New York. I was raised by a Puerto Rican humble family. I fought my whole life and now I'm here. I served 10 years in the Marine Corps. I traveled the world. I slept with somebody's girl, got into a fight and now I'm back in the ring. And, and for me, when I say these things and I'm talking and, and I'm in front of a camera and I'm wrestling, I'm saying I'm going to do X, Y, Z. They believe I'm going to do X, Y, Z because that's who I am. And I, and I think that's why people are missing. Okay. I agree with now, that. I'd be, I'd be very interested to get your opinion on this. Um, I, I do know, Zach, was about two months ago we did the, the promo tournament. Yes. We did a, a huge two-part episode, and we listed up some of the greatest promos in wrestling. 
and narrowed it down to what we thought was the best one based off of those of us here at the Wrestling Nerds. Um, What is your thought? And uh, we'll tell you who won after you give your thought. What do you think is the best promo of all time? The best promo? Yeah. Of all time. I always think of Ric Flair. Um, It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy like, like you hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilt liquor and bars on one side of the, the earth to the other than you made. You know, uh, you talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond wing, woo, kiss stealing, wielding, dealing, limousine riding, Jeff flying, son of a gun. I got a hard time keeping these gators down. Like, to me, that shit, <laughs> that shit was dope to me. You know, like, just the way he carried himself, he looked like a million bucks. He had all the girls like, Ricky, Ricky, slick Rick. Like, like that to me was fire, you know. Then I also think, no, agree. Um, then another promo that I think about is is The Rock when when he was um when he was when he was in the ring with with mankind. It wasn't really a promo; it was more like a segment. And it was like um, everybody from The Rock's past, you know. Oh yeah, this is your life. This yeah. is your life. And it went on for like fucking fifteen plus minutes. Yes, but it was so entertaining. And I guess that doesn't count as a promo. I think that's that's a segment. But but to me, uh, another one is when when the when the Rock was talking about Billy Gunn winning the King of the Ring tournament, and nobody giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and the sky opened up, and God looked down and said, "Billy, Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. Like, <laughs> just just that to me, those were my favorite promos. Anything that came out the Rock's mouth when he was fucking with Jonathan Coachman, when he was you know just just messing with Michael Cole." Up until the Ric Flair's. What 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 are you guys going to say is your favorite promo? The, well, the one that won the, my 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 favorite promo. Um, and Jack, I don't know if we ever actually discussed which one my, our our favorite promo. I know my favorite promo of all time is actually um, interestingly enough is Eddie Kingston's um, promo just before he won the title in Chikara. Um, and I don't know if you've ever gotten to see that one before, where he talks about um, a his, lot about his fucking promo for full gear. That one yeah. was amazing. Holy shit. Yeah. No, that one's amazing too. But you need to, if you haven't seen the one uh, just before High Noon, uh, Chikara's High Noon, where he talks about um, that he's doing this because it was just after um, Sweet and Sour Larry Sweeney passed away. And I guess him and Sweeney were like best friends. He talks about how, like, you know, Larry Sweeney would have been the best man of my wedding if I ever got married. Larry Sweeney would have been the godfather of my kids. Uh, and how he was doing this for doing that for for him uh, is absolutely gobsmacking. I still think it's one of the ones that I've gone back and watched that promo, God, probably a dozen times because every once in a while you just need that like you like the the energy that he gives off for it was absolutely amazing. Um, the one that won our tournament though ultimately um, and probably not surprising to a lot of people, Dusty Rhodes' Hard Times ended up. Oh, winning I like it. that one too. Um, I like but that. But that was the. Zach, what was your what was your like favorite promo? I don't think we ever discussed it on the episode. Which is I don't, I couldn't even tell you, but I will I okay. will say I agree with Danny. With if you go back and watch the Rock in his heyday, there was a time in like ninety seven ninety eight where literally every week he would cut a new promo, and that Tuesday there would be a new t-shirt with a line from that promo on yeah. Like the man was literally just constantly creating merchandise just based off his words. Fucking printing money with his mouth is what yes. he's doing. Exactly, exactly. So but if you're looking at this... is named after one of his punchlines. That's true, that's true. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. 
So if you ever, if if you're a young wrestler and you're like, I don't, I don't know about having to talk. I'll just wrestle. It'll be fine. Think about that. Like that the rock and it is right. The whole, this is your life segment went on for 15 minutes. It's just two guys standing in the ring talking. And then like whatever local actors they could get in that town to come out and like look yeah, dumb for a second and have the rock dunk on them. That segment got were insane. Yeah. Like that was huge ratings for them. Just two guys talking. So there is an element of promo playing such an important part. Um, doesn't mean slack on your in-ring work, but, and, and Danny, you brought up something really interesting that I actually had a conversation earlier today with a wrestler about that. It doesn't, you, you mentioned you don't have to necessarily be something that you're not in terms of being a character. Like, I feel like when, when some wrestlers, I wasn't expecting this to become like a wrestling Ted talk, but here we are. Um, <laughs> This is the most wrestling we've had an episode in forever. (laughs) True. So some wrestlers, when they're starting out, if I I get the feeling that they're looking at it like, oh, I have to go be a character. I got to go be a cartoon. I got to go be a cowboy or a, or, you know, this guy or an alien or whatever, where it's like, yes, if you find that that speaks to you and you can be it confidently, I think absolutely. But if not, I would much rather have somebody who doesn't have a clearly defined character who it's just them turned up to 11 and they're doing it confidently versus somebody who's playing something that they don't really have their heart into. Yeah. It's just not going to work. And the, what the thing is this, it may work for a little bit, but the fan can, the fans are not dumb. Mm. They're going to realize that it's not authentic. They're going to realize that you're trying too hard. Um, I think that if you, if you stay authentic and this is something that I, I believe in heart wholeheartedly, you know, that, that that's going to get over better. It's going to make it much easier to talk because you're actually going to believe what you're saying, you know, and, you know, I give you an example. Before I got back into this, I, I tried something different. I tried doing the character stuff. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to act like I was in the matrix and coming out of the matrix. You know, I wanted to be reborn and, and, and just unplugged, you know what I'm saying? From the system. And I tried cutting a promo. I turned the camera on and I went to cut a promo and I just could not do it. I didn't believe anything that I was saying. I, I wrestled as that character for one time. And then I just took the fucking Matrix coat off and I had black shorties and black kick pads. I grabbed a black bubble vest from New York. I put it on and I cut a fucking promo and it was just natural. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm fucking doing this shit again. And I think the lesson there is that not every idea is going to be the perfect one on the first try. Because yes. I feel like there's a lot of wrestlers who start out and they go, well, this was the idea that was given to me by my teacher. Or this was the idea I came up with first, and I have to make this work, even if it doesn't feel right, even if I'm not really confident in it. I have to make this work, which is not entirely the case, it seems. That- I, when I first started wrestling, Danny Limelight was supposed to be a mix between Floyd Mayweather and The Miz. Swear to you. Wow. That's the idea that I had. Okay. And... It was easy for me to portray that cocky, arrogant, you know, wanting to be an A-lister kind of thing. And then Marquez brought me to TV. So shout out to David Marquez. Ten months in the business, I'm wrestling for championship wrestling from Hollywood. And he said, I don't want you to be Danny Limelight. I want you to be Danny Limelight Rivera. And you're going to team with Gino Rivera. You guys are Los Primos Rivera, Puerto Ricans from New York, which is what I was. And I was like, huh, I can do that? I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And um, it was, that was natural. That was it. And then Danny Lambert started evolving over time. But I say that to tell you, go back to The Rock. We're using The Rock now. This is the Dwayne Johnson show. 
His first time he appeared was Rocky Maivia. Mm-hmm. what everybody wanted him to be, but that wasn't who he was. And as soon as he switched it and became who he was, the motherfucker became a star. True. Mm-hmm. Look at, look at you know, when, when Eddie Guerrero, the lie, cheat, steal, the Latino heat, that's who Eddie Guerrero was. Mm-hmm. World champion. You know, Triple H wasn't Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He was the fucking cerebral assassin telling motherfuckers to suck it. You know, like, all those people that were just who they were, the only time that shit to me worked was the Undertaker? He fucking so wholeheartedly believed he was a dead. That's man. true. That's true. And even he had to change it up and become the American badass to keep up with the times. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, when people just were like, "I'm gonna be who I am," when Shawn Michaels said, "I'm gonna fucking be the heartbreak kid," star. Mm. You know, and, and and I think that's who they were. I think that's who they were. I don't think they were pretending to be anything that they really weren't. You know. Now I look at it like this: when Danny Limelight. Took off the Spider-Man chonies, you know what I'm saying? And took off the Matrix coat and put back his Puerto Rican flag and put on the bubble vest and said, I'm a Puerto Rican poppy from New York. Now I'm on TV damn near every day of the week. And, uh, and you mentioned, by the way, uh, Championship Wrestling Hollywood. We mentioned AEW. Uh, like I said, New Japan, you just had a, a, a killer match with Chase Owens uh, fairly recently here. Um, I, I feel like I'm missing one one major company off the top of my head. Primetime, uh, primetime prime live. live. I don't want to. I don't want to leave anybody I'm out. If I can help. Primetime live, November seventeenth, this coming Tuesday. I don't know when this airs or not, but I'm back at primetime live, November seventeenth. Very nice, excellent. So, so, so I, to David Marquez for that. So with so with everything that you've got going on right now with all those different companies, um. What what's kind of the do you feel a difference in the locker rooms? What's what, you know kind of how does each one compare to the other? And now I'm sure AEW is a com, you know a complete other you know yeah, animal I, as it were, but uh, as compared to the others. But what I are your thoughts every, kind of on that? Every locker room, every is you know the locker room is the home. It's the, it's the it's what happens behind the scenes. You know I think that every home is different. Everybody has the way they like to run things. Um, I don't think there's any right or wrong way. I definitely feel a difference when I'm when I'm in New Japan. You know that locker room is full of talent from all over the world. You know, um, and it's such a high professional locker room. Very, very, you know, a roster full of people with you know tons of achievements and things like that. Um, and it feels good to be there. You know, I know a lot of the guys there, and I'm like, it's like a sense of like honor. You know, like I feel like a warrior. You know, what I'm saying going to battle when I'm in the locker room there. You know, primetime lives. A lot of the guys that I know from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which I consider my home for the last five years, but it, it is bringing guys like Fred Rosser in. It is bringing guys like Mike Bennett. You know, the world's champion Nick this Dirty Dickinson, a bunch of the most most talented female wrestlers on the scene coming in for primetime live. And then the AWs. A lot of the guys that I know from the SoCal wrestling scene, but also a lot of guys from the East Coast and a lot of guys that used to wrestle for New Japan. Um, and, and it's all different. It's all different, different atmosphere. And one thing that, that that I like about myself is that I'm able to adapt. You know, the military, mm-hmm. adapt and overcome. I'm able to adapt to every situation and just, you know, camouflage, blend in, fit in where I get in and, and just try to do my best to stand out when I'm in the ring. Now, let me ask you, other than the obvious WWE answer, because, I mean – no matter what anybody can say about WWE and how they're doing things, they're still the top. They always will be. Um, what what is kind of what's the what do you see next for Danny Limelight? Where would you where would you like to kind of go from here? Are there any companies that you've been looking am, at that you're I looking mean, to get out to? Well, I have a few things with New Japan lined up. Um, I'm flying back to Florida next week. Um, 
I can't say for what, but I'll be in Jacksonville. I'll say that. <laughs> um, I am somebody who don't close any doors. You know, I like to leave everything open for opportunity. Um, I know that I had a 2020 vision. Um, really, really wanted to do some things. I did more than I was expecting, especially considering the circumstances the world's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, for 2021, man, I think that is my time to, to sign with a company. Um, and it's going to be the company that I feel like I, I, I deserve to be at. It's going to be a company that I feel like I can be an asset to. It's going to be a company where I feel like Danny Lama is going to be appreciated and really just, you know, showcased at a higher level. Um, I don't know who that is going to be. I don't know if that's New Japan. I don't know if that's AEW. I don't know if that's Impact or anywhere else that I've wrestled before. But I do know that. You know, I got a lot of things happening right now, and I'm just really enjoying this process, and I'm embracing all of it all at once. I'm really breathing it in, I should say. I know that wrestling's going to slow down for a little bit once the holidays come around. Um, so I'm just enjoying it. You know, I'm just trying to finish the year strong. Um, I took the, the worst year in history and made it my year, like Ray Rosas likes to joke about. Um, I really just wanted to break out and, and make people who did not know who I am very familiar with my name. And, and now that this is happening for me, I'm ready for the next step and I'm just waiting to see what happens. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't foresee, but I do know that it's coming and I'm going to be ready. Very nice. So, well, uh, Danny, we're uh, going to ask you uh, a question. I'll be honest. I'm mildly afraid of this answer here that's coming up right now because I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm hoping you're going to prove me wrong here. But uh, I have to ask the uh, Trevin Adams Memorial question, even though Trevin is not dead. Uh, so hi, Trevin. Uh, so that question goes kind of like this. Uh, it is late at night. You are doing the drives. Uh, you have just had another great show. You get a, a bit of a rumbly in your tumbly, as it were. Uh, and uh, you're looking to pull over someplace to get something to eat. We'll pretend that not every fast food joint's open 24 hours now. Um, and you're going to come over a hill and see a shining beacon of light. Is that shining beacon you're seeing a sheets? Or is that shining beacon a Wawa? What's a sheet? <laughs> okay. Yes. That was kind of the answer I was sadly expecting, but that's okay. You, you, you not have, you've not run into a sheet yet? or Is that like a, like a nickname for like a fast food restaurant? It's another, it's very much like Wawa. Um, they're, they're both like the gas Wawa stations with the, with, the, uh, with the food inside them. So. It's the, it's the what? I'm it's a lot like... I'm it's thinking. a lot like a, it's a lot like a Wawa. It's the same. It's very. They're very similar to each other. Sheets and sheets and Wawa are very uh, are very akin to each other. I don't really eat Wawa either, though. So oh okay. shit. Ah, uh, so I like to stop at Denny's. Okay. Like to get at any time of the day at Denny's. Now what's what's your go to what's your go to Denny's order? Lumberjack slam, turkey bacon over medium eggs, seasoned red skin potatoes, two pancakes, original, no syrup. Um, and, and the sausages. White. Right. You got, you got I that say, pat. I never <laughs> answered anything that I've talked to like the government and lawyers, and I've never answered that confidently <laughs> in my life. Good <laughs> God. I just ate that this morning, too. <laughs> so, now, what are your thoughts? Go, go ahead, Zach. No, no, please. Now I got to see where this is going. <laughs> oh, I wanted to see what his thoughts were on Waffle House then, because that's become a, 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 re, a very topic of conversation. I, I, I don't really eat Waffle House either. Really? Okay. I'm very picky with food. So I don't eat sushi. I don't eat condiments. Um, I don't really eat snacks. 
you know, like I don't really have a sweet tooth like that. I do love cheesecake, but it got to be a New York style cheesecake. Of um, course. I, 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 I eat a lot of wings. That's like my weakness. There you go. Okay. So like Buffalo Wild Wings or like, you know, things like that. Um, I do like uh, seafood, like the, the like a not, not like a like a bubblegum shrimp kind of spot, or like a um, what's that? There's, I can't remember what it's called, but they have like a bag, and in the bag it's like corn, potatoes, crab legs, and like shrimp and stuff like that. Oh, just crab shack. Yeah, stuff like that. I like that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, okay. I like pizza, but it gotta be New York style. Um, okay, yeah. now where's your so you and you're from New York. Where's your go-to pizza place? Um, that it closed down. It's not around no more. That's uh, a you know. That's the sign of a good pizza place. It was called. That's Jerry's a good. Pizza. That's a sign. It was called Jerry's Pizza, and it was right across the street from my grandma's hood. And okay. It was bomb as hell. But they have an Apollo's, which is like right around the corner still, and that shit is fire. I also love Asian food. I'm a big fan of like pho, ramen, because um, I did live in Japan for two years, so I, I got real accustomed to the Japanese culture. Um, okay. The food out there, I love the culture out there. So I definitely love my pho. That's Vietnamese. I definitely love, you know, the ramen with the egg in it and the, you know, the hot tea and stuff like that. So, so I like to cook. So a majority of the time I'm eating, I'm cooking Puerto Rican food or like okay. other food. So I say I've never I've heard people being who said like oh, I don't really like sushi. I've never heard anybody say I don't like snacks. That's such a I I envy that. I wish I was in that that uh, right, bracket. Yeah. I, I'm I'm on the opposite end. Um, I'm on the I could eat at any time. Snacks I like Oreos. You know, um, yeah, good man. Like uh like I, and I'll sit and probably eat like um like four or five cookies at a time. So. Again, I'm I'm on the opposite end. I'm eating an entire thing of Oreos until someone drags <laughs> it away from me. That's the, I no self control there. I even eat the Oreos that are like sins against man, where it's like, oh, we decided to make upside down birthday cake, or I'm like, yeah, just shove it in my hole. I don't care, just shove it right in. <laughs> so, uh, so Danny, um, there's a question that we have. Well, there's actually two questions that we okay. have here um, that we ask every every guest, and I have the feeling. I might know the answer to the first one, but I hope we can kind of discuss it a little bit further. Um, un unfortunately, in the world of professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. And so with that being said, who is a wrestler or a personality around wrestling that is no longer alive that you would have loved to have worked with? Eddie Guerrero. I knew that was going to be the answer. Yeah, so I, you've I. been on many a podcast as of late, and and I've listened to them all. And I knew that was going to be your answer. So the follow up question is: What era of Eddie Guerrero do you picture? Latino Heat. Excellent, excellent. Or wait, ninety-seven Halloween Havoc Eddie Guerrero with me as the babyface. That is the Very kind nice. of specific answer we're looking for. <laughs> So, so you mentioned Eddie earlier in terms of like somebody that you looked up to and were inspired by at a young age. Um, what do you think you draw most from? Like, what is the part of Eddie? Was it in ring? Was it persona? Was it promo? Like, what about Eddie? What aspect of him inspired you most? Persona. Yeah. Um, I, obviously, he was amazing in the ring. Um, but I love that he embraced his Latino side. I love that he really um, 
was larger than life with it because um, he was a big dude. He was shredded. Obviously, he was amazing in the ring. He was a technician in the ring. But just just the lie, cheat, steal, the way he made people just, like, believe in him. You know, when he hit that frog splash on Brock Lesnar and, and won the belt, the way that the crowd erupted, it was just – that's what persona gets you. Good wrestling gets you claps. Mm-hmm. Gets you this is an awesome chance. But when you're – the persona is who you are and the people are invested in that guy because of the things he says and the way he carries himself. Those kind of moments are insane. I watched a clip online. It was when the Wyatt family and the shield wrestled for the first time. Mm-hmm. They had never touched each other before, before they even locked up. The place was going fucking insane. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Do you remember that? Very much so. I believe that that was because they were so invested in what the Wyatt family was doing, and they were so invested in who the Shield were that those guys didn't even have to touch for that kind of reaction. When Mankind won the championship, they weren't excited because Mankind, one of the best wrestlers, you know, his, his he 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 just out wrestled somebody. They were so invested into the Mankind Mick Foley story that when Stone Cold came out and fucking hit the Rock with the stunner. You know, they, they, the eruption was crazy. You know, like that, that to me is why I love Eddie Guerrero. It was just the way he carried himself and, and the way he, he put that Latino heat, that La cheat steel, that, that, that Viva La Rata into, into everything. I knew he was going to be the champ. I knew he was going to be Brock Lesnar. I believed in it. Excellent. Excellent. So, final question here. Uh, <laughs> we here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature has certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. Giraffes have long necks, rhinos have big horns, etc., etc. Our belief is that human beings as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, Danny Limelight, if you had to fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon would you use? Daniel and the lions. And I, it'd be just like the Bible. I'd walk right in that bitch by myself with nothing. <laughs> Walk right <laughs> I've always said that was a line that was missing from the Bible. If you were going to hook more people, you <laughs> needed to describe that scene as he was walking in that bitch. That's really what was missing. I've always said that. I've absolutely always said that. So thank you, Danny. That that would that part always gets missed in the translation. It does every time. It's really sad. <laughs> King James couldn't couldn't translate for anything. But anyway. Uh, Danny, well, uh, I can tell you that this is the part of the episode uh, where one Mr. Brian Cage has officially given us permission to call Get Your Shit In. Uh, you can let people know they can find your social media, oh, your merchandise. Say it again. Shout out to Brian Cage. That's my boy right there, man. And his family. And his daughter. Love that people. Love those people. Those are my people. But for anybody, mi gente, first of all, thank you for listening for the last 40-something minutes. Um, it's been a great time. Zach. Chad, thanks for having me on the IndyCast. Look, it, if you're looking for me, I'm not hard to find. You can catch me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Danny Limelight. Plus, if you want to get yourself some cool merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Danny Limelight. All my shirts match the newest J's, the newest Nikes, the newest Reeboks that come out. So you'll never look out dressed and out of style. They all look good on you. I got a baseball tees and tank tops for working out. I got women's shirts. All that available at ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Danny Limelight. If you got a podcast you want to do, if you got, you just want to sit down on Twitch and talk shit, Danny Limelight on any social media platform or Danny Limelight at gmail.com. You're going to find me. 
Let's talk. Let's link. And I got more things coming. So tune in because I'm radioactive. And the year this fighter that I thought was happening is happening now. And everybody that's just now finding out about me, I'm going to continue to give you reasons why you need to be watching the most radioactive professional wrestler right now on the scene. Amazing. Amazing. Danny, thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks to all the dozens and dozens for listening, as always, for everybody here on uh, behalf of Chad Allen. I am Zach Romero. And as we always say around these parts, a jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners good. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin.